You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. Final Wrestling Place. Final Wrestling Place. Uh, so, you know what the zoo, why are you so close to the camera? <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to do Mr. Bean for a second. Yeah, you were, Mr. Bean. <laughs> One other podcast was talking about Mr. Bean. Oh, man. I swear just recently I was listening to a podcast that was talking about Mr. Bean and how Drake Maverick could play a modern oh. day Mr. Bean. Okay. It must have been the New Day podcast, because there's not that many wrestling podcasts I listen to that talk about Drake Maverick. I feel like that's a, a yeah, that's a niche of a niche. But do you know what the zoo is missing? I always feel there's not enough gorillas wherever I go. But uh, not animal, not an animal related thing. So, okay. uh, the lady and I and our, our friend Ashley and uh, Megan's little niece went to the Brandywine Zoo in, uh, I think that's over in Delaware somewhere out that way. It is a very small zoo. It's like $5 admission for adults because it is so tiny. But... I feel like a, the zoo experience is missing people walking around the zoo with microphones that patch into the sound system of the zoo mm-hmm. doing commentary on the people who are doing commentary on the animals. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So like a it, navigator. Also being the voice of the animals who are being watched by the people. Okay. So at the Brandywine Zoo, there was a section between the bees and the red pandas. And it was like a little stump with the bees. It was like a three-step platform. And we were enjoying a nice cool beverage and a nice sweet treat on the bench in front of said platform. And these little gremlin children keep coming over. And standing up on the B platform. And so this little girl comes over and she's got her family with her. And I'm, I'm just, if you've ever been in the wrestling business or know somebody, uh, you just outwardly monologue, whatever it is you're seeing and being kind of ridiculous about it. So I, I started referring to this little girl as the new queen and she, the queen is now ascended to her throne she is kicking the worker bee that is stated direct or placed directly to her left. And then her looked like her mother and her aunt reached up and grabbed both hands. I was like, and the queen has used two peasants to remove herself from the pedestal to enjoy the rest of her day at the zoo. And like they, they laughed at it and we're all getting chuckles at it over at the, the table or not at the table at the bench. And I was like, this is what the zoo misses. Just having somebody just going around and being really silly because it could be like a, a really good gig for like a local improv guy. Yeah, 
for sure. Yeah. Hey, come down for 150 bucks for the day and narrate uh, some animals. Just talk some. Just talk some stuff. Yeah. We also saw something very interesting. Have you? Do you remember my zoo story about the lions? No. Mm-mm. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story to tell you another story. Okay, I'm, I'm in. So I'm at a heart walk about 10 years ago at the Norfolk Zoo. I remember the walk, okay. And the walk paths next to the lion exhibit. And the lion exhibit has three portholes. Big stone wall, three portholes, and you're walking from right to left. Okay. So we walk past the first porthole. The there's four portholes, sorry. So we're walking right to left, and the at we, we see the first porthole. There's a lion in front of our porthole standing and walking towards the left. And at the far end, there is another lion laying down. So we're walking and we get to the second porthole. And by the time we get to the second porthole, we see that the lion, the one lion walking to the other lion is ready for business. It's business time. Yes. So the lion, by the time we get to the second porthole, has started the mounting process on Mm -hmm. the second lion. We get to the third porthole. Could you say he started the ascension? Oh, the ascension was over. Like, (laughs) he was on the dismount. Oh, okay. We get to the fourth porthole, and he has now made his way towards the middle of the enclosure, laying down, and the lady is just sitting there just like, what did you do? Unimpressed. I tell you that story, tell you this one. Have you ever seen the video that made its way around the internet of two tortoises getting it on? I have seen that one. I saw it in real life this weekend. There was nothing funnier than hearing a turtle gasp and then clap shells with another turtle. This, eh, eh. I will be putting <laughs> clapping shells into the repertoire. Knocking boots, beating boots. Clapping shells, <laughs> clapping, clapping shells, clapping shells. Putting that the one tortoise was putting its belly on her back, but her his belly's hard, so it's clapping them shells, baby. Shell clap, and I was man, I I, I loved it. Clapping them shells, man. I love the zoo. Eventful day at the zoo. Eventful day at the zoo. Very small zoo. Support your local zoos. It's a uh, rather nice. Do you have anything to top that today, brother? Or do we no just problem. need to get into it? Just hit the intros. All right. Welcome. Welcome to Final Wrestling Place, the, the podcast that talks about two tortoises clapping shells. I'm Tim. <laughs> clap, clap, and I'm still Marcus. And today on the day, this, the release of the podcast, June the 7th. It is an anniversary day of sorts, and it is also the topic in which we are covering. So on, uh, let me, can you give me your best rendition of 
the great DeWiki classic, This Day in Wrestling History. Yeah. This Day in Wrestling History. Yes. June 7th, 2010. Man. Oh, we're so old. Why? Why? On so long ago. On the Viewer's Choice Edition of Monday Night Raw. How about it? The eight-person group known as the Nexus made their formal debut. And while the internet just remembers that it was John Cena who got murked in the ring, it was also the Straight Edge Society. Mm-hmm. It was Matt Stryker. Yep. It was Jerry the Stupid King Lawler. And most famously, it was Justin Roberts. Justin Roberts. Getting tied up, so to speak. That's the one way of saying it. Yeah. Getting um, getting American dragged all over the the floor by Daniel Bryan. <laughs> which immediately led to his release from the company and right. uh but immediate return to the company at SummerSlam 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 so i know that for us we are the unofficial champions of the affliction era the unofficial champions of the uh, the era after the ruthless aggression era we're talking 2004 into i guess how long is the era you would say between the end of the ruthless aggression era and the beginning of i guess the the, the of- post the post pipe bomb slash shield era beginning the genesis of McGillic. No, um, um, I'd say like, so ruthless aggression era, we say ends what? Oh, six. We get to affliction era. I think the ruthless aggression era is very short. I think so too. The Ruthless Aggression it, it, Era, to me, ends at WrestleMania 20. Okay, I got no problem stretching at the 21. Brock leaves at 20. Cena, Cena becomes the champ at 20, or the U.S. champ at 20. Mm-hmm. The Rock is gone at 20. You know, there's a lot of... All of the Ruthless Aggression kids... Have grown up, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I got shielded, so I missed part of your question. No, I, the question was exactly what I said. I was I was okay. basically going on a long soliloquy while I knew you were getting shielded. Thank that you. we're the unofficial champions of the Affliction era. We're the unofficial champion. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of what that time period is that we are championing. What's the what is the time frame between the end of the ruthless aggression era and we we go we waffle back and forth as to when the start of the modern era is and I want to say it's the pipe bomb because okay. the pipe bomb is 
the pipe bomb was the moment in which most people came back to the WWE. Mm-hmm. And from the pipe bomb, we were birthed the shield. Yeah. Because the pipe bomb led to the walkout at uh, Money in the Money. Bank, mm-hmm. which led to the 434-day reign. Was it 343? Something like that. 343-day reign, which led to The Rock coming back, you know, yada, 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 so on and so forth. But this, this, the Nexus is probably what some would say the biggest shining point of that era of WWE. Without question, I think it's... I mean, I know people want to point to the pipe bomb, which is a promo. And yes, it felt very authentic and off script and just different from what we're so accustomed to. But before that was the shield, uh, or excuse me, not the shield, the Nexus debut. And I was equally, if not more, pumped up for the Nexus angle than I was the pipe bomb promo. Um, and I think the, and maybe this is my love for wrestling. This is a bigger angle. You have a lot more moving pieces, a lot more people, a lot more storylines that can come out of this. Uh, so for me, this was a bigger operation to pull off. So I'm a little bit more fonder of the Nexus angle, the debut. And I think it's. Still to this day, I think it's the it's the last great angle that the World Wrestling Entertainment has pulled off. Agreed. For to to let everybody in on if you were if you're not sure if you were there or not, but just to give you a brief recap, the end of the first before NXT was a brand people cared about. It was a television show that people didn't care about, and it was wrestling rookies and their pros and the winner receives a WWE contract and a world championship opportunity at a pay-per-view of their choice. Mm-hmm. And it was the breeding ground for most notably, probably the, the most memorable thing to come out of the first season of NXT was the rivalry between pro the Miz and rookie Daniel Bryan. Tremendous long-term piece of business. Something that the company has had to like, I mean, they had to fall into that. Like there, <laughs> there's no way that you could be gifted uh, such two complete opposite characters, um, two complete opposite styles, two completely different backgrounds and how they got into the business it's it is really like a perfect rivalry and i still feel like there's so much meat on that bone that may never get gnawed off but yeah that was great too like the and i like maybe i'm pausing off of this or, or taking a turn freestyling if you will but going back to our even like our graduation season NXT the tv show served the role of okay well there isn't like 
big TV to put our developmental brand on. And we have, we have a certain number of people that are ready for TV. Maybe they're not ready for TV, but they've been here for too long. Or, and, or they have exceeded expectations in the developmental brand. Yes. And it is time for them to sink or swim. Right. And so they put out those eight guys. And it's it's like the closest that you can get to four A ball for baseball. Like they always say there is no there is no like quadruple A. Either you're ready for the majors or you're not. And this is kinda of, kinda of what next T was. It was a little bit best of both worlds. You know, if it doesn't work out and go back down. If it does work out, great. You're ready for T V. Correct. And so we're talking about the eight individuals, or at least the beginning of this podcast, we're talking about the eight individuals who were a part of the original Nexus. I'm going to put you on the spot, Marcus. Can you name the eight members of the original Nexus? Yes. Do you want me to do the pros too, or no? Oh, if you, if you want to do the pros... I can, uh, I can, I can make that happen. I just need to make sure I have the correct uh, listing of all of those. We are wild and young. So WWE's weird foray into possible folk rock. That's right. <laughs> so. We have eight pros and eight Joes. All right. Go ahead. Of course, we got Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett, the pirate, and his pro was? Chris Jericho. Which I believe they should have stayed a tag team. Yeah. Like, if the Nexus didn't happen, it should have been Jericho and Wade Barrett. And yeah, Barrett was... could have easily been Jericho's heavy. Because at this time, this is, I believe this is pre-Jericho. This is pre... This is after? Is this after? This is after Jericho's 09. Is it? Re- okay. Yeah. So he's in this weird in-between time. Maybe. Might oh. be during the same time. Jericho is 2009, and then the feud with Edge. Okay. Etch. The rated R. Superstar. David Otunga? Yes. I don't exactly remember his pro, but I am going to take a educated guess. That they put a black guy with a black guy and go with our truth. Boy, howdy, did they ever! All right, that's that. Of course, we got Dana Bryan in the Miz. That's right. Uh, Darren Young and CM Punk. That's right. Heath Slater and Christian, which I thought was the second best pairing. Yes. Famously, Justin Gabriel and Matt Hardy. Because <laughs> Matt Hardy took that <laughs> stupid bump. Um, did I say Brian and Miz? You did. Um, You're missing yep, yep, two more. Do? 
Yep, yep. What did you do? Skip Sheffield with William Regal. That's right. Which was another good pairing. And uh, Michael Tarver. That's right. We're out of black people. <laughs> we are out of black people. So let's go to. S- Come on. You're right there. 2010. Uh-huh. Carlito? Kalito. Kalito. Yes, Kalito. Because I know it's getting around Carlito being released. But I do remember Carlito up on stage stealing the show. For sure. Yes. So... Those are our pros and our Joes. Wade Barrett, of course, winning, beating David Atunga and Justin Gabriel in the finals. Do we agree, even after all this time, that Wade Barrett was the right selection to win the first season of NXT? Hands down, because it had the stipulation of the world title shot. Correct. So I thought that could only be Wade Barrett. True, true. He was the only one that was... Now, you can fight us all you want on this, but he was the only one that looked as if they could be WWE champion walking away from NXT. Yes. Everybody else, either a little too small or a little unpolished, and Wade Barrett was as close to a complete package as you could get, with the exception of Daniel Bryan. But at this juncture, Daniel Bryan's not... He is the Bryan Danielson we all know, but he is not the Daniel Bryan we all know. Right, and I feel like the line of delineation, and I'm not a Daniel Bryan expert, but I feel like it's the beard. Yeah. There's pre-beard and post-beard Dan O'Brien. I think the real switch happens. The 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 flip, the switch gets flipped when Daniel Bryan cashes in money in the bank yes. on the big show. Yep. When we get the sarcastic yes chance mm-hmm. that draw to the no chance. Yeah. That is that line of demarcation so to speak that changed the tide for Daniel Bryan into being a household name a major player and eventually into the person we know today without that cash in and that change in character actually seeing Daniel Bryan play a heel for Mm -hmm. Uh, sometime it's just is just as good as Daniel Bryan is a, a baby face. He is an even better heel mm-hmm. and it's it needs He's such a, such a good heel that he by proxy makes himself a baby face again. <laughs> yep. It's that's the cycle. That's the cycle you get. You get so good as a bad guy. You cannot boo them anymore. And therefore you are cheered. The only person that I probably will probably never break that cycle is now Roman Reigns. 
But that's because he's still too cool to boo. Yeah, less of fans getting there. He's like, oh, we love him. Boo. Mr. Ooh-ah, man. The ooh-ah-ah. The yah-yah. But. So, June 7th, 2010. The. Three-hour Raw. The three-hour Viewer's Choice Raw. The Nexus debuts. Stomp some mud hole in people. They do your favorite thing in the entire world, Marcus. They do rip up the ring canvas. They rip up the canvas. They beat up everybody. They leave with the belt. They they run the finisher circuit on John Cena. And we're off to the we're off to the races with the Mind with you, them. This is Deathcon 5 John Cena. Oh, this is this is height of powers. John Cena. And it kind of pretty much kills this whole thing, but yeah, yeah. Like Oh, this, it is, is it is literally John Cena who is the death of the <laughs> Nexus. Yeah. Because just when you think that the, the Nexus has beaten John Cena, he no, then no, no. he then beats them from within. Because John Cena is also a member of the Nexus. That's right. That's right. And so I guess I guess we got to include him, right? Oh, he is absolutely included yeah. and he's getting dunked on. But we get to the main portion, the 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 reason why we're all here, we're talking about stables and we're making a good place bad place list of the Nexus, the new Nexus, and the newest Nexus, the the core. I've had enough. Yes. Now the core, of course, has a. The core is really the third verse of the Nexus, <laughs> with a little with a little spice up, a little difference. Yeah, I think it's better than the second, though. We'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah. All right. All right. So, let us start from the original eight. Mm-hmm. And I think we can start off by saying that Wade Barrett is a good place Hall of Fame member of the Nexus. Give him the rose. It Absolutely. It, it is his it is it is his group. He made the black and yellow armband cool. I still remember I still have my Nexus shirt. Uh, the Nexus was absolutely amazing as a group, and a lot of that deals with the leadership and the stick to of Wade Barrett. As they were a lot at a time where we didn't get much at all. Yeah. Our second member is Daniel Bryan. A member of the Nexus for literally a day. So I'm going to go good place because before he got released, I thought that is a heck of a one-two combo with Wade Barrett at the top, Daniel Bryan's the right-hand man, and the bitterness that Daniel Bryan had about John Cena being called, quote-unquote, the best in the world, the best wrestler... And everybody knew, okay, Wade Barrett might be the guy who's going after the belt. Daniel Bryan is coming for respect, and he's coming to beat people up. And he beat people into submission, be the the guy. 
I mean, I, I just watched back the Nexus beatdown angle mm-hmm. on on the cock. And just Daniel Bryan getting down on all fours and screaming at John Cena. Yes. You are not better than me. I've got goosebumps. Yeah. I've got goosebumps going over it again. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame that the only thing he did wrong was use Justin Roberts' tie against him. Made it too real. Made it too real. But we move along to a primetime player, uh, a member of now the New Japan Strong brand, Mr. Darren Young. I'm going to go good place here, too, because they did a very good job of kind of branding him without shoving it down our throats. Oh, he's Black John Cena. And he got bitter about it. Yeah, he did. And that was also another good point. It's like, oh, this dude's sick of being called the black fill in the blank. And I really, I, I liked what he had to bring. Even though he did look remarkably like John Cena in the face. Uh, yeah. But Darren Young, I still think that there's a, por- a portion that he just... He didn't, I feel like there was a lot of meat left on the bone for him. Still to this day, I still think there's meat on the bone for him in the WWE. Mm -hmm. I really would have loved to have seen what he was going to do with Mr. Bob Backlund. But unfortunately, thems be the breaks. We go to a man who's had many a name in the WWE. He's been uh, a silverback. He's been a Ryback. What was his name? What was his nickname as Skip Sheffield, if I remember right? Oh, because he was he was a country. What was his nickname as? Golly, oh, it had to be the Southern something, right? It had to have been something. I forget what he was referred to as. As Skip Sheffield. Yep, yep, what it do. Yep, yep, what it do, Skip Sheffield. Skip Sheffield as a member of the Nexus. Uh, good place. And I know that's going to sound weird. Putting Ryback, Skip Sheffield, in the good place. But he was in a group of people, a lot of people, where the only thing he had to do was throw a clothesline Ooh. and look big. And he accomplished both of them. Yeah, I mean, probably the most dangerous clothesline next to Stan Hansen and Batista's blind eye clothesline. Truth. I mean, that meat hook that we refer to it, it was as was Ryback. That was uh, that was tight. The business. Yeah, that is. Uh, moving along, the mask man himself, Mr. Michael Tarver. I like, I'm going to put Tarver in the good place too, because when Tarver is the one that hops the rail and he has the mask on, that's when the O-ish moment happened, at least for me. And maybe that's why he was put in there. Maybe it's the boxing background, whatever the case may bring. He brought an element of, I'm not playing around. 
So I'm going to put Mark, Michael Tarver in a good place. Makes sense. Next, we get to the long, long-standing members of the Nexus. Mm-hmm. Justin Gabriel. Yep. I feel that the debate here is not good place, bad place. The debate here is good place or good place Hall of Fame. Yes, because he especially once Brian is gone. He inherits the number two spot next to Wade Barrett. And it's him and Barrett at the SummerSlam. They're the last two left. Whenever they do their attacks, it ends with, with the, the 450 Wade, degree press. Yo, the Wade, Wade, Wade slam and the 450 degree press. Ain't nobody do a 450 degree press like Justin Gabriel did until he started doing it. Yes. And the reason we call it that, and I know that Justin Gabriel uh, in recent times may have said some things, maybe denied some science. You know, this is before all of that. Um, but we call it the 450 degree press amongst us and our friends because it was too pretty just to call it a 450 splash. Like that felt degrading. Right. So it's a 450 degree press. And I know what you're going to say. Well, what about two cold Scorpio? Well, that's the disc to don't miss, right? Is that trying to be bad? No, no, it's too cold. I think the disc don't miss is too cold, Scorpio. All right. Well, I'm putting Justin Gabriel, good place, Hall of Fame. I'm checking. Hold on. And also because he made Matt Hardy fall over the yeah, top rope. Yeah, disc don't miss. Too cold, Scorpio. Yeah. Where is that? Yeah, the disc don't miss. Like, and Too Cold had a beautiful 452. Especially for being as big as he is. Yes. Jimmy crap. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, but 450 degree press. So, what are we saying about Justin Gabriel? Is he good place Hall of Fame or is he good go place? Go Hall of Fame. All right. Wade Barrett, Wade Barrett can't be in there alone. We've next got Heath Slater. Slater Gator, baby. I'm going to be a little blasphemic here. Okay. All right. I've let you cook, and I've let you put some people in here that don't deserve to be in a good place for the Nexus, okay? Okay. Heath Slater's going to pay for some sins. (laughs) I... I can't pinpoint to anything he did in the Nexus and be like, that earned him a spot. Tag team champions. He was the only person in the Nexus next to Justin Gabriel who earned gold as a member of the Nexus. Except for David Atunga, who won it with John Cena. Got to do a little bit more for me. But the one man Southern rock band does not do it for me. No. Slater's got to go in the bad place. he He is a good place. WWE superstar. He's a good place character guy. I love 
love, 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 love. Me some Heath Slater, baby. But in the Nexus, he is a guy who just didn't stand out. Like I felt he is the only guy in the Nexus who doesn't serve a purpose. Oh, did we do Otunga? I didn't like Otunga either. We're getting to Otunga. Okay. Because Otunga is in a weird spot. And we'll explain. He's in a bad, bad place for me, but you go ahead. Well, he's in a weird, he's later bad place. Otunga is the door between the old Nexus and the new Nexus. Mm -hmm. Because he is the only person of the old Nexus that sticks around. We'll get to Otunga in a second, but before we get to that point, Let's talk about John Cena, Nexus member extraordinaire. I mean, he ruined it. He, he ruined the whole thing. He ruins the whole thing. I mean, so Wade Barrett, uh, Cena faced Wade Barrett. At Hell in a Cell, Barrett wins. Cena joins. Cena wins the tag titles with Cody Rhodes or against Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre with David Atunga. And then we get to the Survivor Series match with right. Wade Barrett and borderline good place Hall of Fame inductee Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. He's still paying for some sins that he did earlier. He just needs a couple more good years of up and up citizenship. <laughs> He needs to tweet more RKO to Kim, and he'll be in there in a flash. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely a big point getter. I know. I mean, he's he's trying so hard to. A lot of people are talking about the Brian Pillman rehabilitation program that they're putting him on after Dark Side of the Ring with um, the Varsity Blondes on AEW. Uh-huh. Randy Orton is on that uh, Matt Riddle rehabilitation program. He's trying, ain't he? He's, you know, he might be uh, making some, making some believers out of Matt Riddle with just the way they've been together as RK bro. But we've got Randy Orton defending the WWE Championship against Wade Barrett at Survivor Series. John Cena is the special guest referee. If I'm right. And if Wade Barrett didn't win the WWE title, John Cena would be fired by WWE. Right. Because his contract belongs to the Nexus. That's right. That is right. And what does John Cena do? He does the right thing. Stupid thing. He does the stupid thing. He gives up his contract for a petty squabble versus because he all he knows good and well that all he has to do is help Wade Barrett win the WWE title and then guess what the Nexus is going to do to John Cena they're going to jump John Cena out of the Nexus on Monday so John was like I'm going to save myself from the L I'm going to give myself my own self-imposed L and I'm going to get fired from there we get Juan Cena uh, on house show loops, I really think Juan Cena could have made an appearance on Monday Night Raw. 
wouldn't have heard. I mean, because this is this is before the time in which people were super super duper sensitive with racial stereotypes. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, like it would have been great in 2010, but we would have looked back on it with 2021 eyes and been like, uh, maybe we shouldn't have. The only way it would have worked is if every Latin superstar in the WWE like inherited Juan Cena and took him in and made it organic. Maybe. Yeah. It, um, was, it was borderline Mr. America. Yes. Um, but they just couldn't. And like, this is the angle specifically that chased my sister away from wrestling. Uh, my sister got into wrestling 2008. Um, the whole Edge and Vicky stuff she loved. Uh, she was a huge fan of SmackDown. Ended up watching Raw. Um, and stuck with it for a couple years. And then she realized, no matter how exciting things get, no matter how interesting things might get, at the end of the day, John Cena is always going to win. That's and right. it will never be that interesting. That's right. And so she quit. Yes. Unfortunately. She, quit. she lost interest. And, and when Barrett did not win the title at Survivor Series, <sighs> and when Cena is fired but still on TV every week, she was done. So I know that there was some conversation I was having on social media this week talking about the invasion storyline because mm-hmm. I feel like we just came up on the anniversary of the start of the invasion. It was either last week or in between last week and this week. And I feel like we'll always as wrestling fans, we will always be playing the what if game of like, what if the invasion were different? What if the invasion were done right? Uh-huh. Quote unquote. Right. What if what if they held off on doing the invasion until they had access to the wrestlers who were under those Time Warner contracts that didn't want to participate? Where you still bring in the WWE people or you still bring in the WCW people like Booker T, like DDP, like Canyon. Don't push them as WCW guys. Make them incorporate into WWE. And then when the NWO frees up, when Eric Bischoff frees up, when Ric Flair frees up, then you reassemble the troops. Mm-hmm. And then you make the push through 2003. Then you also have Brock Lesnar on the side of WWE at that mm-hmm. point fully ingratiated. Um, I feel like the second what if in modern history is what if the Nexus didn't get destroyed? Mm -hmm. Some would say they were snake bitten from the start because of the Daniel Bryan situation, which some could say was a work because it ended up bringing him back at SummerSlam as as the mystery piece on the seven on seven WWE versus Nexus storyline. 
I've quietly been forming a team. John Cena, Jericho, John Morrison, Edge, mm. Bret Hart, R-Truth. Eeks. I don't remember who else. I, I feel like I got six to seven. Um. Uh, oh wait, there we go. Uh, Great Kali says. Oh, the Great Kali says. Great Kali says. Yeah. Didn't they jump Kali out? Yes, and, and that's Daniel up. Bryan. Yep. Yeah. So I did have all seven because yeah. I said Daniel Bryan at first. So it would have been really great to see what the Nexus would have done with a run at the top. Mm-hmm. With Barrett as champion and leading, even if it means at the Royal Rumble, Wade Barrett loses to John Cena, and then we roll into whatever happens at WrestleMania. Right. Because Barrett versus Cena would have been a hot WrestleMania match. Absolutely. But, you know, what are you going to do? John Cena uh. instead buries... uh Buries him under uh, a stack of chairs at TLC, you know, and like, that's the kicker about this whole thing. This ankle was done during the perfect. It's like the the perfect time period. It's a big match at SummerSlam. It carries on through the fall. This is especially during a time where WWE is really mailing it in during the fall. And it's really tough to watch. And just do something interesting, right? That's all you and have like to you do. like you said, if you get to the Rumble and it's not working, boom, you got the Rumble, get the belt back on Cena, whatever it takes, boom, move on. Like your summer and fall didn't, didn't really matter because it's the Royal Rumble. It's the hard reset. But that's not what we got. That's not what we got. So after John Cena dismantles Wade Barrett, and the Nexus goes away. Um, after bidding, being beat up by John Cena repeatedly, uh, the Nexus goes under new management. And CM Punk uh. takes the mantle uh, after dismantling the Straight Edge Society. And from that is when we get the split of the Nexus into the new Nexus and the core. So CM Punk uh, creates the new Nexus, and of the members that are still left, he asks who's going to join. And it's Atunga, Barrett, Gabriel, and Slater... With Michael McGillicuddy and Husky Harris as kind of junior-ish members of the Nexus. Right. Pre-CM Punk. Right. Like new recruits brought in from NXT Season 2. Correct. Which was awesome. Like, that's a great idea. Yeah, right. Bring in new people. Doesn't have to be everybody. Freshen up the stable. And they bring in idea. they bring in who some would say was the two safest guys 
from NXT season two that wasn't the winner Caval Warrior Warrior and also the two third generation superstars yep. in the season. Mm-hmm. So from there, Barrett. Gabriel and Slater all say nah nah to CM Punk and they leave and they go to SmackDown. We pick up the good place, bad place arrangements from David Atunga as he's the only member of the original Nexus who sticks around to the new Nexus. And that's where you get paid the big bucks. So where does David Atunga sit as an original member of the Nexus. Bad place. Why? Nothing discernible for me. Now, this might just be me being me. And you'll know what I mean once I start talking about it. Mm-hmm. David Atunga was the first, to my knowledge... The first smart black wrestler in WWE. Like, yeah, sounds right. Yeah. Like, actually, his his calling card was he was a lawyer. He went to Harvard. Right. The only other dude that they said went to Harvard ended up getting concussed and then did a whole bunch of good outside of the WWE. So David Atunga was a mental giant who also had a physique. Mm-hmm. Sure, his in-ring wasn't great. But he was billed as being super smart. Now, in the Nexus, that works to a point. He definitely is in that B team group of four. Like he is the leader of the rest of the Nexus. After if you will Stevie Ray, like you could tell it was Barrett. uh, It was Barrett, Gabriel and Slater together. And Atunga was the fourth man who Mm. could bridge the gap between Tarver Sheffield young and himself with the other group. So it makes perfect sense for him to not leave with them and become the number two guy next to CM Punk Mm -hmm. in the new Nexus. I will agree with you. Bad place Nexus. I will say good place. New Nexus. I'll sign off on that. Makes sense. And him and McGillicuddy were pretty good in the new Nexus, I felt like. Yeah, I mean, the new Nexus ends up being a, a, a hearty group. Uh, ends up being just four people through the duration. Because the fifth man, who we'll talk about, we'll jump into him now. Husky Harris, another bridging member. Joins because he wants to be a part of something new, but is gone relatively quickly into the new Nexus because I think this was at the time in which Husky Harris was too fat. 
Is that this is definitely during that time period? I think so. This is where he was like, "We're they were like, we're gonna send you home." He gets written off by Randy Orton. That's uh, very big punt. Big punt, Zilla. And from there, the punt was probably the greatest thing he ever did because he can't go his way. He learns new hold. He gets possessed by a demon, and he comes back as Bray Wyatt. And that's 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 good for for Husky. I I am always fond of Husky Harris mm-hmm. because I feel as a man of size, there's not enough men of size that are represented in the WWE. Like there's not enough, just big, thick, fluffy boys. Mm -hmm. You're either super jacked or you're a bike rider. And there's no big, like there's no one man gangs anymore. There's no No. King Kong Bundy's. There's no bam bams. There's no more. There's no more like units. The closest thing we've got to that is Keith Lee. Where is he? And Bronson Reed. Big fan of Bronson Reed. And Bronson Reed, Bam Bam Bigelow, he is not. But own thing. But I'm not. I'm not here to compare apples and oranges. I'm here to talk about the Nexus. Husky Harris. I'm going to abscond myself because I don't think that I could put him in the good place on clear conscience that it wasn't just me shoehorning the fat guy into the Nexus. Marcus. No, I thought he, I thought he filled a good role of the pusher in of people's issues. There it is. Yeah. Little stomper, so, mud hole stomper. Yeah. And he had, uh, he, he, he had the, the throwback WCW, uh, cowboy wrestling boots. Yes, he did. So that, that goes a long ways for us. So yeah, I'll put him in a good place. Thank you. Now his partner in crime, the genesis of the genesis <laughs> of the beginning of the genesis of McGillicuddy. And don't worry, that clip is in the podcast. <laughs> that clip is in. If I have to spend the rest of my night finding this clip, I will find it. It's from the NXT season two finals. Yes. Yes. And McGillicuddy is a member of the new Nexus until the very end. Yep. The bitter end. Even after CM Punk is gone away from the group. Where does McGillicuddy stand as a Nexus member and a new Nexus member? So I think him and Otunga had good tag work, as I said earlier. But that don't make him good in the group. I'm going bad place. For both. For both. I'm fine with that. For both. I feel yeah. like McGillicuddy was... McGillicuddy was a weird name. And it was hard to carry through with that. And even as Curtis Axel, like... I don't feel he really got his stride as Curtis Axel until he was a member of the Miztourage. Yes. Yep. And by that time, it was the beginning of the end of the beginning of the of the, of the exodus of McGillicuddy. I'm here for bad place. Double Jones, Michael McGillicuddy. Now, I will say seems like a good place 
I don't know him as a person. Yes. Some of his thoughts and comments post his release. He seems like a great dad. Oh, for sure. Jam, jam up kind of guy. I got all the love for Joe Henning. You know, I, I, I fell in love with him during much like Cody Rhodes to a certain degree. He became a darling to the smart internet wrestling fans because of a hall of fame speech. Mm-hmm. And Joe had no intentions of joining the wrestling business until the hall of fame speech. And then of course, somebody goes over to him and sprinkles some dust on him. And then, <laughs> Oh man, he's a wrestler now, but I feel like they never embraced him as being Mr. Perfect's kid, but also it would have been a surefire way to like, make him something yeah and it's not really until they bring him in his curse axel and they kind of give him a little bit of that rock dust where it's like oh we'll take a name from here and take a name from there kind of acknowledge your whole history but you're still not exactly your history so right bam, you're your own person yeah that's right yeah you're the axe man kind of and he was more his he was more his granddad than his dad yes yes and that's yep. like, nobody knows who Larry the Axe Henning is unless you're Sidney Bacabella or <laughs> former WF Hall of Famer. 1992 class. I want that shirt. <laughs> I want that shirt so bad. It's I want to find him at a gimmick table so he can hustle me down for the shirt. Um, Let's go over the last member of the new Nexus before oh, going into one. going into the leader of said Nexus. Big Mason Ryan. Ah. Also referred to as Baby Batista. Baby Batista. Not necessarily mm. fair to to Mr. Mason Ryan. However, it is what it is. It's a jacked up guy with dark hair and some tattoos. So he's Batista, right? Right. Um, unfair. That was unfair of us because as we know now, Batista is a good place. Hall of Famer for sure. And he's a and... borderline WWE Hall of Famer, but man, <laughs> when he crowds, crowds, man, we got to have fans when he decides to show up. And that is even more good placeness. Give me what I want. I want people. I want a big payday. I'm not showing up for nobody. For a three-minute speech. Give me what I want. Yeah, man, that those three-minute speeches are trash. So, now, um, Mason Ryan. Before you go any further, I would like to try to convince you of possibly putting him in the good place by telling you he wrestled under the name SmackDown Warrior. Before he was ever a part of the WWE, he was he referred to himself as the SmackDown Warrior. That's a name where like somebody's college roommate decides to like do a wrestling post persona, but has seen wrestling like five times. So he's just like, yeah, my character is a SmackDown Warrior. Yep. SmackDown's um, a, SmackDown's a thing. That People are talking did, about it. It did less for me. Dang it. Bad place. I agree. I never was a big fan of Mason, Mason Ryan. 
even though he was the biggest member of the Nexus ever, mm-hmm. still just kind of like muscled up dude. They needed a muscled up big guy for the group and just didn't work for me, fam. Which brings us to he who shall not be named. Uh, Mr. Phil from Chicago, uh, you yes. know, your former manager in the oh, gender neutral monarch tournament. Third time is going to be a charm. <laughs> you better hope you get put against some, some not Steve competition, oh, man. Cause um, who's, who's, who do you think is going to get in the general neutral monarch this year? I don't know. Running out of names. I got to win one at some point. Are we, though? Are we? (sighs) I'm sick of losing. Same. This is it. Third third one's at 40. If you don't don't win this year, are you pulling yourself out of the contention, or are you just going to be in it to win it every year? (laughs) I feel like I have to pull myself from any further eligibility, right? Starting next year? After your third attempt? After my third and final failed attempt. <laughs> yeah. We gotta figure this out. Yeah, we gotta break it. We need more uh we need more cat Twitters. Right. Everyone Vote. send your Sako accounts. <laughs> Friends Roman yeah. Sako accounts. Lend me your tweets. Uh, but Phil from Chicago. Phil from Chicago. Bad place. It did lead us to like the frosted tip, so. And we got life. we got that sweet roll rumble run. Mm-hmm. Where um, he just was cutting promos in the ring. That's that's during the straight edge society. No, sir. Yeah. That's the twenty ten rumble. I don't think so. Yeah, with Deeb on the outside. Was that? Yeah, it's twenty ten. 2011, it's the 40-man rumble, and they take over a portion of the match. That's right. And they they run house, which is pretty good. Yes. But I'm still inclined to say bad place. Okay. That's fine. It I'm... felt like... It felt like... Um... <sighs> you know, uh, you know Saved by the Bell, the college years... Which reminds me, <laughs> I thought of the idea for the new viewer's choice theme. Ooh, okay. What if we had DeWiki jazz up a cover version of the Save by the Bell theme? Where oh, the, not the, the college years? No. Okay. Obviously, the new class. Don't, don't start. No, but like... It's the viewer's choice with Marcus and Tim. And th- that's Ow. that's all I've got okay. at the end. That's all we need, really. That, yeah. DeWiki, DeWiki, there you go. That's your that's your jumping off point. The professional jingle meister, who by God, let's take a second to appreciate his home going. Did you see how beautiful that bald man looks now? What a glow up. He looks You know, it's Pride Month and I'm I'm a proud ally, but I'll swing for DeWiki. That man is good looking. He looks fantastic. Bazillion trillion dollars. 
congratulations on homecoming. Mega powers, mega bucks. That's him. He's Looks both. great. Yes. But you're on it, professional jingle meister DeWiki. Saved by the bell, rip off. You got it. So we, we've named the Nexus and the new Nexus. Let's get into the core. Oh, the core, baby. The core is a four-man group on SmackDown mm-hmm. with Wade Barrett, with Justin Gabriel, with Heath mm-hmm. Slater, and with Big Zeke, who to this day still ain't got no cuts. Here's- he, he big, he's strong, but Zeke ain't got no cuts. <laughs> he got no cuts. Uh, I don't know exactly how Zeke got back like how has he gotten the group i'm going to other than like i'm going to save us a conversation the entirety of the core is bad place it's as if they literally just tried to do the nexus again with the three recognizable dudes from the nexus and then they added big zeke and the breakout star of the core was Zeke. Tim, I don't like it, but you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, swallow the medicine. The core right. had a great theme. Themes every week. They had a different variation of the theme. Yeah, sure did. It was. Million- I don't know why that's not talked about enough. It was great. <laughs> it was great. Different sounds, red lights. Yes, end of days. The originator of the end of days. Then it goes to. Then it gets inherited by Good Place Hall of Famer Baron Corbin. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to jump him into the the Good Place like that. But he's close. For at least for us, you know the the viewers' choice Good Place Hall of Fame. <laughs> but the entire core to me, bad place. I didn't like the colors. I didn't like the logo. I didn't like. The rip-off armbands they tried to do for the core. Yeah. It was just very much like not even not even cute. At least the new Nexus had like the tried and true WWE new sticker that they put on everything. New blackjacks, this work new this rockers, new Midnight Express, new Nexus. At least new Nexus sounds cool. The core. How do you spell core? C C O R E no C like Marine Corps C O R P S no two R's huh what <laughs> the core nah man with the diagonal design on the oh I hated it I hated it bad place so that pretty much breaks down the entirety of the Nexus the new Nexus and the core let us know what we got wrong on social media at Final place pod on Twitter. Uh, everybody in the Nexus except for Heath Slater went into the good place. I think there's some conversation to be said about that. We'll leave you guys to it. Uh, Marcus, do you have any good place, bad place moments of the century of the week? Um, I do have a good place moment of the week. And this is, of course, more dad talk. Um, oh yeah, let's dad time yesterday, all day with the baby pretty much, and um, we just had a great day bonding. And 
today, she's like all over me. She's she just wants that. So it feels fantastic. And um, we did have a bad place moment of the week though. It was also yesterday. I uh, went over to my parents' house so they could see the baby for a little bit and uh, let the baby run around in the backyard. Came back over. Uh, the lady was out of town for a couple hours. She had taken her set of house keys, but not the whole key ring. So I took her car because that one has the, the big baby seat in it. And I come home and I go to open the door and the baby's sleeping. And there is no key for the house on the key ring. So I'm like, well, let's have a moment of acceptance. There is nothing I can do. I know all the doors are locked. I'm not about to break into this house. So, oh, you don't think that being a large black man breaking into a white suburban neighborhood is going to be a good idea? What no. can't you just tell the policeman that hey, it's your house? I live here. I live here. Yeah. You know, uh, no, don't feel like that's going to go well. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, turn about face and hit up hit up the Starbucks and wait out the next two and a half hours. Ride around, go back to the parents. And then, uh, you know, and, and at the end of the day, end of the day, end, end of the, the day, day, lady comes home, everything's fine. But, um, yeah, there is an extra two and a half, three hours there that were um, less than ideal. But learning experience for new homeowners, we got to get one of those gimmick boxes. You keep the, the extra key in. For and, sure. Uh, figure it out. Figure out the garage door opener, too. <sighs> I told you that since yeah. day one. Yeah. Cause that's so, a that's a white people thing. Yeah, that, man. What's uh what's your good place, bad place moment of the week of the century? Uh, mm. I don't know if I have a bad place. Oh, I do have a bad place moment of the week. It was it was on Friday, so I had a nice long hard day at work or day a week at work. I'm just ready to you know accept my life and. Be able to um, just have myself a good weekend. So I get on the computer and I start playing League of Legends because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And two minutes into my game of League of Legends, the internet goes out in the whole house for the entirety of the day. The lights go out. It the did, lights go out. Internet didn't come back on until 1 a.m. I was, I was pissed mm. big mad big mad for me i couldn't i couldn't have been more fuming fuming i'm like look being without internet is such a a uh it's a bratty problem right yeah it's it's very much a 2000 and a 2000 and uh or it's a first world problem. I get that. But also, like, just give me the internet back, man. That's all I need. Do you think in another, like, 20 years, when we're telling stories, it's like, and then the internet went out, do you think children are going to be like, huh? Yeah. Like, do you think the internet uh, blackouts are going to be, like, eradicated by then? No. I think we'll just have, like, 
will have better backup internet ready to go. <laughs> so in the future, instead of generators, it's going to be like generator internet. Yes. Okay. Like the the internet on people's phones. Okay. Is going to be better than going to be better than what it is now. Okay. Cause that was the hard part too is normally you'll be, I'm able to get by with like, you know, all right, I can watch stuff on my phone. The first strike towards me and my newfound uh, love for the T mobile network again was, oh, boy, right. was it, boy, did it suck. Not having Wi-Fi to help boost everything, man. Not here for it, man. Speaking of boost, I see you there with a booster pack. No, man, this is not a booster pack. No, this not. is uh this is a a uh, an elite trainer box, an ETB oh, okay. of Pokemon cards. I was just going through and looking at my haul and seeing what I got. Fun fact. What you got? I, I ain't get dog that. spot. I ain't oh, get nothing. I ain't get nothing good. Okay. That was I, I made a couple of big boy purchases. One was a couple of Shining Fates boxes. Ooh. Yeah, they were the only way you can get these cards is in like com- sets like this or in um like collectors boxes, like collectors packaging. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't care for those. But I did get something else as we're jumping from we're jumping from good. I'm combining a good place moment of the week and a weekly purchase. Oh, I hear the ruffling of the bag. I made a I made a purchase for a comic book. Oh, that's right. Yes, let's let's uh, see this. I purchased, and I didn't know that this was here or this was in comic book form, but Volume One of Batman sixty six. Okay. It is the art style and the. And everything of the Batman that I know, the my right. my Batman, we've we've had a conver- we've had plenty of conversations about this. But as much as I love the Christian Bale Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman, the Val Kilmer Batman, the George Clooney Batman, the Ben Affleck, and I didn't really care for Ben Affleck as Batman, uh-uh. and. The jury is still out on Robert Pattinson for how well oh, he's, he's in my. I think he's going to be uh, right up there. I think so too. A lot of people, I mean, a, a lot the, of people are looking at him as like, oh, that's the Twilight guy. I'm like, nope. just you wait, Henry Higgins. Nope. Just you wait. Nope. Um, yeah, I'm willing to put the Batman trailer already in like my top my top four Batman films. Jeez. That's not a good sign, though. No, I think that's how great the move, like the movie's gonna be. Like the trailer is—I've watched the trailer like a million times. But you know that the, as good as the trailer is, the movie is worse. No, not in this case. Okay, that's fair. Just a taste. Quote but my my Batman is Adam West. Yes. I I prefer the original Batman and all of its campiness with. The the bat phones underneath the cake displays as you've got the you've got Braun Strowman outside your house. The, the choo choo. Yeah, big choo choo man outside. So we've got uh, I love Adam West, Caesar Romero, all the, the classic 
Batman villains with with of course Robin and old Alfred and just how how campy that 66 original Batman is can't beat it so I'm going to look into I have not read said comic yet um, I will be diving into it here in just a bit and hopefully it is a book series that I can really dig my teeth into a uh, friend of the podcast Brad DeMeo a former commentary partner at excellence I told him I got the book and he's like yeah that's a good read you'll you'll like it so hopefully hopefully I do there's four more volumes of it and I tried to stay local uh, Megan and Ashley have a comic book shop that they frequent in Delaware that they have like a book a box where new new editions get put into and I was gonna add this to the box but apparently volumes two three and five were all sold out. Mm. So I, I, it looks like I'm going to have to go outside of the box, so to speak, and do some rummaging around on Amazon. Got to get what you need, man. You know, so we'll see how the book treats me and we'll go from there. Uh, did you have any weekly purchases? Did not. I'm still. You still waiting well, on that up. Sid? I'm still waiting on Sid. I'm still waiting on Charlotte. I'm still waiting on Ultimate Edition Rick. And Stone Cold Steve. So, uh, no purchases until I get those purchases. That is my rule. And uh, I did have to purchase the new pair of knee pads. And they work out very well. So, I'm, I'm happy about that. Oh, did you uh, work this week? I didn't work. I got in a little bit of ring time. Okay. Um, my tag team partner. Uh, yeah, it was good. I saw you got some candies. I did. I did. They were delicious. Um little treats key for you. Have you seen the clip of Rick Rude hitting the like the vertical suplex lift and then turn it into a military press? No. Okay. Um, Is that on I'll YouTube? Send it to you. I'll send it to you. I got it handy. Um It's kind of I'll send that to you. That looks like kind of like a Didn't somebody have a, a Oh, and isn't that kind of like the elevator a little bit? Um, like the maybe, suplex into the like slam deal. Uh, this is better, right? Okay. But um, I'm working on that. Okay. Let me send this to you. Right and then you're now. gonna then you're gonna sling somebody in an F5, and then. Hey man, don't uh. Oh, wait. Spoil my move set. Wait, huh? I didn't do anything, huh? Okay. But I sent it to you. I'm look, is it uh, in text form? Uh, DMs. In my DMs. Man, what a man. There it is. Let's turn this down. Hit this button. Oh, man. All right. Vertical suplex. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. Is that Robbie V? Don't think so. It's a little too big to be Robbie V. I don't know who it is. Oh, I see a tattoo, so I don't know who it is. But. Yeah, but that's a big man. That's a that's. Yeah. Gosh, Rick Rude is a is a man god. He's a stud. What a what a what a man. What a man. So that's what I'm working on. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Um, I feel like we would be remiss if we did not 
address slightly, much like our fellow podcasts with At Odds and with We Need Wrestling, the bungling of, or what? what is the phrase that you like to use? With the w, the mismanagement of assets, <laughs> and what do you like to? Or, oh man, um, what do I? Riches, oh, something man. of riches. Yes, a mismanagement of riches. Yes, we're talking about the releases of not only the WWE digital department for the most part, but also, uh, notably, Brawny Strowman's. Alistair Black and Ruby Riot. Not not nothing nothing against Budro Murphy or Lana or maybe Santana Garrett. Yes, bad against her. Sorry you lost your job. Is that fair enough? That's fair enough to say. Sorry you lost your job. But everybody else, man, that sucks. Um I don't want to spend a bunch of time on it because I feel like Joe and Adam and DJ and Brett broke it down incredibly. So real quick, let's just go through from top to bottom. Where do you foresee the futures of these next, these six being, um, and like a little thought process as to like where you think the WWE stands on this stuff. Uh, Santana Garrett, she goes back to the Indies or she goes to impact. Yeah. She continues to wrestle. Yeah. Probably the she, Avenue. NWA. Right. Right. Uh, Budro Murphy. I think Ring of Honor would be a really good landing spot. I think he goes to New Japan. Okay. I think that's where he gets his fresh coat of paint. He gets into the juniors division over there and and does a million bazillion things over there. Closer to Australia. It's not a bad it's not a bad trip from Australia to Japan. Is it? I no. mean, I believe you. I believe you. I have no idea how far. <laughs> so Australia is between Japan and the U.S. Oh, cool. Neat. Yeah. I have no idea. I think Japan is closer to Australia than California is to Australia. Okay. Uh, speaking of California, Lana. Um, honestly, I feel like Hollywood. I feel like AEW for the simple Uh, fact that she's going to get partnered up with Miro and we're going to get Miro and Lana versus Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. I'd be here for that for like a, almost like an old school territory, like one off Mm -hmm. where like we're bringing Lana in specifically for this angle. Mm -hmm. Like. She see like the total diva stuff, you know. People talk about her from there. I think you know she's got the the, the cameos and the, also the, the appearances in other movies. So I, I hope she finds if that's what she wants to do. You know, I see a, a you know her getting her footing in Hollywood for sure, for sure. Next up, a person who you know pretty well. You've uh, tied up with them uh, a new a, a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, some would say your best work um, in Ruby Riot. I think a lot of people 
want to see her make a return to the indies and then from there go wherever she wants and of course wherever she wants to go hope she does it hope she makes billions of dollars um but she is such a good talent and that's that's like that's not even the right word for it like she's amazing she's she is really really excellent and i would hate to see her come back here where she is still <laughs> not going to be um treated right appreciated paid accordingly just because her skill set exceeds i think what places should you know will say that they can offer like don't come back down here like you're so good like i hope she goes to aw i hope she goes on a heck of a run um you know she she has a unique look she has gone all in on herself and just a wonderful human being so uh, i hope they go to aw because i think aw still has um areas of improvement as far as getting more women with the combination of being television stars and also great wrestlers. Um, I think she fills that void perfectly. Agreed. Uh, how do you want to tackle the next two? Do we want to go Bronny Strowman's first? Sure. Let's, let's go with Bronny Strowman's. I think he goes to Hollywood. Yes. He feels like a shoe in for, Oh, here's a big guy. That's going to throw somebody around in a scene and then, you know, take a bump and be killed off in a movie. Or he could be the big comedy relief guy because Braun's got a huge personality, very big charisma. It's why he was signed by WWE in the first place. Right. There's also thoughts that maybe he just re-signs WWE for less money. He was a part of that group that was just getting ridiculous amounts of money after the Fox deal. Mm -hmm. And he was on like a million dollar a year deal, something along those lines. And regardless of wherever you sit with that, he wasn't producing a million dollar talent or a million dollar level for where he was. It's the perfect example of what Jim Ross would say. Go learn to hold. Right. Um, that's not to say like improvement necessarily, but he's been on TV pretty consistently for however however long now. Um, and I think people kind of got sick of him, and they should have pulled the trigger. They should have struck while the iron was hot. He should have beat Brock. Should have beat Brock. There was a couple opportunities there. They didn't. Um, so I could see him just doing your bigger pop-up indie wrestling shows like big time wrestling shows like that that are going to have you know a ballpark audience working other tv style guys and then eventually making a return to wwe right then we get to alistair black which might be the biggest head scratcher of all of them Mm -hmm. he has gear or he has Shirts for pre-order on WBShop.com. He had new music made. He had new gear made. He re-debuted two weeks ago on television. Yep. And now he's gone. Yep. And to elaborate on the re-debut, like, he got mixed up with Big E. 
And that would have been the second leading storyline on SmackDown when you get away from the big dog family. Right. The next big storyline would have been Aleister Black versus Big E. Correct. Um, puzzling, baffling. I said it before, I'll say it again. Thought Aleister Black was going to be WWE champion. Uh, I think he checks all the boxes. Unique look, healer babyface. Incredible, incredible striking ability. Um, I think the camera work there does him no favors. I think it takes away from actually how good he is with all the quick cuts. Um, the entrance, the like, just everything for me. Every box was checked. And I, this is the biggest, along with Rui but like this is, you know, just speaking about like the men, this is the biggest botch this is the biggest head scratcher this is the biggest whatever you want to call it mismanagement of excessive riches that's what it is and they messed it up like i yeah i don't i don't get it i don't see how you mess this up i just don't get it and neither do i i think alistair black is a shoe-in for AEW. Like, especially now that Andrade El Idolo is there, I think Aleister Black can be soon behind at once his no compete is up in September. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, AW makes sense. Again, he looks like a star. He is unique, has a unique appearance. Especially, the, and the reason why I immediately go AEW. Is he is a part of that PWG family mm-hmm. that is yep. that is AEW, right? Excalibur and Pack and Trent and Chuck and the Bucks and Omega and yeah, on and on. Yeah, literally, that is PWG on TV. Yeah. And Tommy and Alistair Black is going to be a sure fit wherever he goes. He's going to have a lot to prove. He's got a big heart and his talent will speak for him uh, wherever he goes next. Yeah. And I know a lot of people might think, oh, AEW signing all these WWE castoffs. Mick Foley. Steve Austin, Ryan Pillman, The Undertaker, Triple H. Pretty much everybody in the Attitude Era except for like Bret Hart and The Rock. I literally saw a text. To, was it in our house chat or in our group chat? It might have been. Might have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bret right here. AEW keeps signing WWE rejects. Don't tell those people that Austin, Guerrero, Foley, Jericho, Triple H, and even The Undertaker were all WCW rejects. And that's just scratching the surface of people who did more for WWF and WWE than they did for WCW. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing is, if you look at the actual releases... It's only like three or four people that AEW have signed from people being actually released. 
everybody else is contract expiring, leaving under their own will, and then going to the AEW. Like, I think that speaks, that's like a more powerful message, I think, than, oh, look at everybody that AEW just signed that was in WWE. Okay, people are leaving WWE for AEW. Like the biggest, the biggest head scratchers of all of those are the Big Show and Mark Henry now, mm-hmm. guys who I thought were going to be with WWE for life. Not really. You know, Mark Henry, the man who has an incredible eye for talent. Bianca Belair, I believe, was his discovery. Yep. Jade Cargill. Right. On and on. Take Conti. It's exciting. It's exciting. Like, sure, WWE is going to continue to release these people. And for, you know, what speculation? There's rumors or thoughts that this looks like increasing your profit margins for a sale. Um, We'll cross that bridge. We'll cross cross that bridge when we get to it. Right. Um, End of the day, I think the wrestling scene is going to get a lot stronger because there's a lot more talent out there now available to do whatever they want. And there's a lot more places that people can go right to get some exposure. Like let one of let one of these former WWE guys go to like a MLW mm-hmm. or to a Ring of Honor or even over to New Japan. Like CJ Parker turns into yeah. one of the biggest stars in wrestling by becoming Juice Robinson and going to New Japan. And to the point now where Juice Robinson is like he is a name that people want to see back in the US. The same Absolutely. guy who was like free the planet stuff like that. They want him back. As n- new juice. So. Go out. Learn new hold. Yeah. That's where but it is. Really it's just people being allowed to be creative. And that's. Not really learning a new hold. It's people actually being allowed to play to their strengths. Right. Like you know who's doing that right now. To the best of their ability. Mr. Matt Cardona. I saw that clip today. Boy, he's got John Moxley's mannerisms down. Dude, that was good. The, the the shimmy sway. That was good. It was it was nice. I feel sorry for him when Nick Gage gets his hands on him. Is this going to be Broski's first uh, death match? Death match, blade job. I don't know way. if it's his first hard way. I don't know. I don't know, but it's time for the warlord to pay his dues. <laughs> toy lord toy lord's gonna get his mdk yeah. baby so all that said do you have anything to plug anything going on uh yeah check me out on brotherly love wrestling podcast uh when is that, that? was a lot of fun when it's is already that out oh it's out now yeah it's already out yeah nice uh, let me get pull up their uh, twitter real quick i think it's at 215 like 215 podcast, something like that. 215, 215 wrestling. Yep. Yep. At 215 wrestling. Had a really great uh, chat with those dudes. So it was a ton of fun. And that's 
all I got to plug right now. Sounds Other good. Then we're gonna be on a back in the saddle for viewers choice. Yeah, not too far from now. Uh, what next week? I think so. For in your house. It's in your house and in your face. <laughs> so a big shout out to our home network, soon to be named network. A big thank you to David Kincannon, aka the Wiki, aka the Sneaker Dean, the the Jingle Meister of the soon to be named network, the official third man of the podcast. He's responsible for all of the the sounders at the beginning of the show and the theme song that you'll be hearing shortly to close out the podcast. A big thank you to him. We love you. Um, soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com. It's your home for this and many other podcasts, including, but not limited to our wrestling offerings of at odds with wrestling with Joe and Adam. And we need wrestling with DJ and Brett. We love all those guys, uh, root for Joe in the finals of the, a show reverse AEW draft. It's going to be uh, a fun time. Already found out that he got Ty Conti uh, as a pick, which was really great. You know, she's the face of women's wrestling. The face. That's right. So really looking forward to that. That should be dropping today. Uh, so if you're hearing this, you can also check out the a show, the tournament of champions final. Which, if Joe wins, that makes me the third best drafter in all of the show's history because the guy who beat me lost to Joe, and then Joe wins the whole thing. So by proxy, I am the third best drafter, and that is how I'm telling myself this because I still feel bad that I lost. Explain it away to make it okay. That's right. You know, I'm I'm self-soothing here, okay? That's how we're doing. But a shout out to our other pod adjacent friends at Pod Van Dam, at the A Show, at uh, Three Count Thursday, the Brotherly Love podcast is going to be great, good listen for you there. Also, a shout out to our other podcast network, the North South Connection, uh, Podbean.com south slash North South Connection. It's our home for viewers' choice, which airs at the end or at the end, the conclusion of every AEW, WWE, and NXT pay per view. Takeover in your house is coming up. Hell in a Cell is coming up. We've got a Saturday SummerSlam we're going to have to cover on the 21st of August. I'm pumped about that one because you can be over and we don't have to worry about like, oh, we got work tomorrow. Or recording. We don't even have to. Well, we'd have to record Viewer's Choice, but it'd be the first time that Viewer's Choice comes out before Final Wrestling Place. Final wrestling place our podcast the recording the recording order will be a a weebly wobbly and a timey wimey um but a big thank you to everybody who supports us and listens to our stupid shows without you guys there's no us uh we would just be two friends talking to each other we'd be doing this anyways uh but thank you guys for for listening to us uh tell a friend and tell a friend share subscribe uh, both the social media stuff and the podcast itself. Well, I know that we love seeing you guys when you post your, your show watchings for the day and seeing our, our Twitter handle among some really great podcasts. Uh, it, it really is. Uh, it's really mood inspiring, mood uplifting. 
and we thank you guys for that so much. So until next week, be sure to check out at Final Place Pod on Twitter. We'll let you know what the next stable we will cover is. But all that's left is to tell the people goodbye. Marcus, tell those people goodbye. Oh, bye-bye. Never mess.